Welcome to the Hills Baptist Podcast. We're so glad you're joining us as we see Jesus glorified, lives transformed, and hope revealed in the Adelaide Hills and beyond. We hope you enjoy this message. Today's reading is from Matthew chapter 7, verses 13 to 29. Enter through the narrow gate. For wide is the gate, and broad is the road that leads to destruction, and many enter through it. But small is the gate, and narrow the road that leads to life, and only a few find it. Watch out for false prophets. They come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ferocious wolves. By their fruit you will recognise them. Do people pick grapes from thorn bushes, or figs from thistles? Likewise, every good tree bears good fruit. But a bad tree bears bad fruit. A good tree cannot bear bad fruit, and a bad tree cannot bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Thus, by their fruit, you will recognize them. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name? And in your name drive out demons, and in your name perform many miracles. Then I will tell them plainly, I never knew you. Away from me, you evildoers. Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who builds his house on the rock. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house. Yet it did not fall, because it had its foundation on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice, is like a foolish man who built his house on sand. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house, and it fell with a great crash. When Jesus had finished saying these things, the crowds were amazed at his teaching, because he taught as one who had authority and not as their teachers of the law. Thank you, Brooke. Good morning, everyone. Great to hear you there. Um, I want to tell you a story from uh, a youth camp I went on one time. It was at um, the campsite at Oak Bank. Uh, I remember the speaker was um, this guy who was, I think he was principal of Youth Works from Sydney. Incredibly raspy voice. Uh, That's what really stuck out to me from his talks. And this story. There was a moment um, where he, he told us, look to the person to your left Look to the person to your right. One, if not two of you, won't be Christians by the time you're adults, he said to us. Then he brought up a picture of him from his youth group days and like, here's my, my, uh, my, me and my friends and this unfortunately is true for them. I'm the only one that's still in the faith. And I looked to my left and I looked to my right and I said, no, that's not us. Like, we are rock solid. This was like close friends of mine. Um, you know, we would pray together. With, you know, th- there was nothing to conquer as yet the world uh, in Jesus' name. And we were, we were on fire. But now, 15 years later or, or so, or however much longer, what, uh, one, the two of us are going strong. One isn't with the faith. And I'm sure we can all think of similar situations, similar stories, 
amongst our friends, in our families. And it's, it's tough, but it, it raises a question that's at the heart of the passage today. Will we follow Jesus? We all have a choice. We all have a choice to make. Will we follow Jesus? Will we be able to stick it out? Will we be able to persist? Will we truly follow Jesus? We come to the uh, end of our sermon series on um, uh, the Sermon on the Mount, Transforming Disciples. And it's really interesting, the last about 10% of Jesus' sermon is effectively four illustrations compelling his disciples to do what he says. And I don't know if I would be able to get away with something like that if I'd spend the last bit of a sermon going, do what I say, because uh, I said so. Um, I'm not Jesus, so I, I don't tend to do that. But effectively, that's what is happening. As Jesus has gone through, he's given a compelling vision of what it means to be a disciple of Jesus. Uh, that someone who's blessed, not based on their own effort or, or status or religious affiliation or anything, but blessed on the fact that God is the one that blesses them. Blessed are the lowly. Blessed are the meek. Blessed are the mourners. And they're blessed to be a blessing, uh, to, to, to live out and to share that, uh, that blessing with others, to be salt and light. He shared how Jesus is the fulfillment of all Scripture. And out of that, uh, we're, to, we're called to have a righteousness that exceeds that of the Pharisees and the teachers of the law. And it's not a righteousness that's wider and more active, but a righteousness that's deeper. And he's talking about being transformed from the inside out, from our hearts through to our head and our hands. And that, that transformation transforms our ethics. What, how we determine what and wrong is not necessarily about what we do, but what, what's in our hearts. It transforms our uh, religion, not about showing and look at me how I'm doing religion, but doing religion, the practices, the prayer, the fasting in a way that's about the Father, about God, not about us. Transforming our ambitions where do we put our money? Where do we invest ourselves? Where do we seek out? And, to, and Jesus says, seek first the kingdom and his righteousness. And then uh, we also talked about transform relationships. How do we handle conflict and approaching conflict with personal accountability, personal responsibility, personal humility? And then we get to the end of a sermon, Jesus says, so what path are you going to choose? Are you going to choose to follow and obey what I've said as a transformed disciple? Or are you going to be deceived and distracted away from that? So that's where we come to. And he's got four images. If I could grab that slide. Um, four images. He talks about two gates, two trees, two ways to call on Jesus' name, and two builders, all effectively reinforcing the same point. Choose Jesus. Choose to follow Jesus. So he first talks about the gate. He says, enter through the narrow gate. And, and his, his point is, follow this path, this teaching that I've said. Like, follow it. Do what it says. He shared all his teaching, given, like I said, given a compelling vision of what it looks like to be a transformed disciple. And he's saying, go this way. Go this way. 
It's not just about information to receive or an ideology to believe, but a path to follow. And it's hard because, he says, wide is the gate and broad the road that leads to destruction, and many enter through it. He says, wide is the gate. Um, the gate being, um, I guess, the decision, the, the truth, the, the um, path we might choose in order to get to the Father and, and what the world shares and says is it's wide. There's not one way to the Father. It's not narrow and, and specific. It's general. There's, there's many truths that we could claim are true. There's many ways to the Father. All religions effectively end up in the same place. We don't need to be so strict. We don't need, need to be so narrow-minded. Wide is the gate. It says wide is the road. It's not that we have to follow a certain path and, and it's restrictive, and, but wide is the road. We get to set our own standard. And follow that. Be true to ourselves. Be true to the way we want to live. Be true to the way we want to be treated. And it's much easier, much, much easier to take the wide road because, because it's up to us to determine what path to follow, where to walk. If it's a wide road, you don't have to balance and, and struggle on that. It, you've got room to move. It's relaxing and you get to choose. It's about us. And even, even like the, this, the narrative that Jesus has shown of what it means to truly follow him is, is having a transformed heart. The alternatives of that is legalism, of being overly restrictive and making it about us by setting all these standards that we meet and we follow and we get it. And then, then that, that earns us our way into heaven and we're saved by the works that we do. Now, that's a lot easier. Even though it might be hard works and hard standard, it's easier if we draw a line for ourselves that we can then step over rather than leaving up to God and His standard, where it's not about our actions but about our heart. And same in the other, also liberalism of removing the standard altogether. We just need to live whatever way we want. And that's a lot easier, an easier path to follow than having a transformed heart, truly following Jesus. It's a lot easier to compromise the truth, to, to water it down. Uh, there is no just one way to the Father. There is not one standard that God has created for us to live, live along, a path to follow. It's a lot easier on the wide road. And many follow it. It's the popular path. Many follow this way, the way of the world. And to not go that way, to not go the way of the world, to follow Jesus is radically countercultural. Radically countercultural. And where does it lead? To destruction. Because it's not the truth. Because it's not the true way to the Father. Just because we said so, just because some other people say so. Jesus said he is the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through him. 
there is no other way. And so any other way we might walk down aside from Jesus leads to destruction. We've missed it. Nothing else in this world can save us. But Jesus says, enter through the narrow gate. It's narrow in that it's one gate, one truth, one person by which we're saved. One way that leads to life. And so there is a, a set of belief. There's a, a, a definitive truth to believe. And it's not so much about the information to believe, but the person that's behind that. One person who can save us to give our lives over to, to follow. That can save us from, from ourselves, from our brokenness, from the hurt and the pain and the evil in the world. And it is hard to follow this path. It's hard to follow this path. It's hard to follow Jesus' commands because it is restrictive. It's not so much about these external things we do, which we can quantify and, and, and control. It's about our hearts and our desires and things inside of ourselves. It's hard to follow Jesus because we're persecuted. It's not the popular way. Few choose this way. And it's countercultural. And we look different, we act different, we believe different things. And we're persecuted for that. It's hard to follow Jesus because it takes self-sacrifice. It's not about us and our way and what we want and our standards and our desires. It's about handing all that over to Jesus. But this path leads to life. The path, this path is the only way we can go to be saved. It's the only way that we truly find life to the full. And the wide path, though it's easy now, ultimately it, it's hard. And the narrow path, though it's hard now, ultimately it leads to a life full of joy. Jesus says, choose Enter through the narrow gate. Choose life. Choose him. And he continues his teaching with a warning because he says, watch out for false prophets because there are those who would come and tell us that it's not about the narrow path, that we don't have to be so restrictive and oppressive and, and so narrow-minded in how we can have a relationship with the Father. There's many ways to God. There's many ways we might live. It's not so, it's not a big deal. It's not that important. It's not that, uh, we don't need to worry so much. He says, watch out. Watch out for false prophets. They entice us down the wide path, watering down the commands, making it, wide and accessible to, to all people uh, to choose their own way or even denying that there's any destruction at the end of the path. Often in the Old Testament, the false prophets of the Old Testament were called out because they denied the justice and the judgment of God. I think Jesus is referring to that as well. There's those who would water down the truth Water down Jesus' commands. Water down destruction. I say it's not, we don't need Jesus. We live our own way. Or we need Jesus plus this. 
Jesus plus works, Jesus plus living a certain way, Jesus plus whatever else. And they come and they're in a disguise. Like Jesus says, uh, they come to you in sheep's clothing, although inwardly they are ferocious will, ferocious wolves. They'll come and she's, these false prophets, they'll come and they'll look just like you and me. And they'll sound just like you and me. And they'll say and do things just like you and I do. They'll come in sheep's clothing. They'll be hard to recognize. And the things that false teachers, false prophets say, it sounds compelling and it sounds true because it's what we want to hear. It's what our itching ears want to hear. So, so false teaching, false prophets are compelling. It's because we, it's what we want to hear. Now, it could be that they themselves are fooled and deceived into believing something that isn't true and then passing that on to others. Or it could be they are, like Jesus describes, ferocious will. They've got an intent of... Um, teaching God's people to earn something for themselves. There's malicious intent. We've seen examples of that blowing up um, around churches, pretty much for all of church history, but very publicly recently. Leaders who have used their positions and platforms to teach a certain message, but underneath it's all about abusing and manipulating God's people for personal gain. They're ferocious wolves. They're dangerous. We've got to watch out for them. So how can we watch out? How do we watch out for those who might lead us down the wrong path? Jesus says, you'll recognize them by their fruit. You'll recognize them by their fruit. Do people pick grapes from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? Likewise, every good tree bears good fruit, but bad trees bear bad fruit. A good tree cannot bear bad fruit. A bad tree cannot bear good fruit. Now, I've got an image of some fruit. I'm going to have that up, Tim. They look a lot like grapes, except for that red one down the bottom. That wasn't meant to be there. Uh, <laughs> um, are they grapes? No. Oh, good job. They're thorn bushes, uh, berries. But they look a lot like grapes, don't they? So you ruined my point. Too smart. But it takes, to, like, it takes time to recognize. It takes careful investigation to recognize fruit. Uh, and, and what fruit is Jesus talking about? Like, what's the outworking of their lives? How are they living and outworking the teaching of Jesus? What is the fruit that's, be, that's coming up from the internal transformation that comes from the Spirit? And in, in Galatians, Paul talks about the fruit of the Spirit. What is the outcome, the outworking of the work of the Holy Spirit in a, in a Christian's life? It's love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And a lot of them are easy to fake. A lot of them are, are easy to, to put on for a time. But it takes careful observation to recognize fruit. I think that's what, what this is saying is 
We need to watch out. We need to not just listen to people's teaching, but look at their lives. Look at their lives. And this is a great challenge for, for all of us, who I'm sure all of us in different settings, different ways, we listen to great teaching from pastors and teachers from across the world through the platform of YouTube or podcast. And we hear great teaching. And undeniably, great teaching. But do we know the teacher? We hear great preaching. Do we know the preacher? So I think part of, part of all, all, all this is we need to be careful what we listen to online and the, and the, the sources and teaching that we we're listening to. Now, I'm not saying don't, don't seek that out because there is great things to, great resources out there. But why are we listening to these things? Is it to get some teaching, some training, some, to, to challenge our thinking, to grow? Or is it just to reinforce what we already know, to reinforce what we already want to hear? And do we know their lives? Um, it's also why I think pastors and leaders should be accessible to people. That, you know, Paul says to the Thessalonians, I didn't just share the gospel with you, but my life as well. And I, I you know, something that we've been saying over the last um, year is, you know, from the front is there's a lot going on in the church and it has been a really busy season. And I, I do want to apologize and confess at any point that because of this busyness that us as leaders have become inaccessible to people to share our lives. I do want to say, I'm not too busy. I, you know, we all throw that word out a lot, but I'm not too busy to catch up, to have a coffee, to have a conversation, to pray with people, to do whatever. Because I do want to share my life with you. That's a scary thing to say, because part of that is you examining my life to test the fruit as I test the fruit of those who teach me. Now, I'm not saying don't be overly critical and don't, please don't like, if I slip up and make a mistake, be like, oh, bad fruit. See ya. No, no. <laughs> please be gracious. Um, but do, do test the fruit. Do call me out on it. Do, um, spend time with me and all your leaders and encouraging your leaders to bear good fruit. Um, now some, t yeah, Jesus gives this warning because we are so easily distracted. I don't know about you, but driving down the freeway, um, uh, often when there's something happening on the side, like it's a car accident or, or you know, a new sign or whatever, and there's something happening on the side and it's easy to get distracted. You're driving down the freeway and the eyes, you know, glance over. What's, what's happening over there? And I, I consider myself a good driver and I consider myself a good enough driver to be able to glance in another direction and still go straight. But I know that's not true. <laughs> We get distracted and we see other things. We get, oh, here's an interesting, here's something interesting. We get distracted and, 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 or, or deceived into looking a different direction and it's inevitable that our, our bodies, our souls follow. If it weren't for those bumps on the sides of the road, I, I wouldn't even realize 
that I'm deferring, that I'm going off the path, off my lane? Are we being slowly distracted off the path, slowly distracted away from Jesus being the only way, Jesus being the fulfillment of all Scripture, Jesus being the way, the truth, and the life. He says, Jesus says, watch out for false teachers. He also says, watch out for yourself, that you don't become a false disciple, a false follower. In verse 21, he says, um, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Not everyone who, who says to me, Lord, Lord, not everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord will enter into heaven. And this is really scary, this passage. I don't know about you. This is really scary because these people that he talks about look a lot like Christians. They look a lot like the people I look up to and admire. They look a lot like you and me. People who... who prophesied and did miracles and cast out demons, people who've planted churches and have preached amazing sermons, people who have uh, served and given generously of their time and their money, sort of served on committees, served on um, around the church, people who've done miracles, speak in tongues, done many things. And yet Jesus says to these people, I never knew you. Get away from me, you evildoer. We could present as Christians, we could present as Jesus followers, but not truly follow Jesus. Jesus, again, is two groups, two followers, two people who call out, Lord, Lord. Both say they know Jesus. Both call out, Lord, Lord. Both say and do the, all the right things. But Jesus says, one does the will of God our Father in heaven, but the other goes, follows their own will and way. One, they both do and say all the right things. One is internally transformed. Romans 12 says, um, therefore... Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you'll be able to tell what God's perfect will is. They're internally transformed. The other aren't. But apparently living this way, doing all these things. And I wonder in that moment, like as they face Jesus and face uh, judgment, what are they appealing to? They say, can't you see all these great things I did, Jesus? Look, look at these Demons I, I cast out. Look at these miracles I performed, these people that I've healed. Look at these, um, uh, the prophecies I said and, and look at the, the church that I helped build up. Look at the, the building that I donated and look at all these things that I've done, Jesus. Isn't that enough? But Jesus says, yes, but I don't actually know you. I don't actually know you. Because it's not about what we have done, but what Jesus has done. He is the way. His is the path to follow. 
The only way to truly know Jesus is to trust in his work, his death and resurrection that saves us and transforms us. And then and only then are we able to truly do God's will. Are we truly and personally following Jesus? Not just superficially, but personally, practically. As Jesus moves on to the final image, how do we practically follow Jesus? He gives this, uh, this illustration, this story that I think a lot of us will know well. He says, therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is, the, is like a wise person who builds their house on a rock. The rain comes down, the streams rise, and the winds blow and beat against the house, yet it did not fall because its foundations on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like the foolish person who builds their house on the sand. The rains come, the streams rise, and the winds blow and beat against the house, and it falls with a great crash. What Jesus says is not just about hearing what Jesus has to say, but hearing and obeying. Not just hearing, not just coming to church and listening to God's word and God's word preached and all that, but hearing and obeying. Again, it's not just information to believe, but a path to follow. And the waves, the struggles of this world, well, whether Jesus is talking about the, the, the struggles and challenges we might face in this world, or whether he's talking about, you know, the final judgment, either way, what will stand is those who base their, not just the, their thoughts and information, but base their whole lives. Their, their, not, not just their thinking, but their actions and their attitudes, their hearts, their minds, their hands on Jesus' word and follow him. Just a quick side note, I wonder if um, COVID was a great wave that what we've seen throughout the world is a lot of people in church and, and um, claiming to follow Jesus. And then a big challenge of COVID, a big wave, and a lot of people falling away, losing the faith, or not coming back to church, or not coming back into Christian community, not coming back to Jesus. Is that an example of a wave that has, has uh, challenged the church of do we just preach good sermons and throw out great information or are we actually doing the work of putting it into practice? Are our lives actually changing based on, on the word of God? Are we just learning great stuff? Because it's about learning great stuff. COVID comes along, we don't need to meet together. We don't need to change our lives. We don't need to come back to church. We can find that all online. But is that the narrow path that Jesus has for his followers? It's a really tough passage. At the end of his teaching, Jesus says, there's two ways to live, following him or not following him. And he doesn't give a, a, a helpful, comfortable medium. 
He doesn't give the middle path of kind of following him but not really or doing it in this space but not that space. And there's no middle ground. It's very binary. Good prophets, bad prophets, trees that bear good fruit, trees that don't bear good fruit, the narrow path, the wide path, those who call upon his name and are saved, those who call upon his name and not saved, the wise builder, the, the unwise builder. There is no in-between. And so what path are we choosing? What path are we choosing? Where Jesus says there is only one way, one truth, one life. Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Now, does this mean that there are no, there's no place for questions or struggle? Or um, do we just blindly follow whatever the Bible says without question, without rest? No, no, no. Like Jesus says, the narrow path is hard. There is, of course, a place to, to wrestle with doubts and, and, and struggle and, and, and trying to work out how does this actually apply? Or is this true? Of course, there's a wrestle and that's good. But where are we going with those questions? Where are we taking those questions? This is the other question that this passage raises. Does this mean that we're effectively saved by works? That we're saved by choosing the right path to walk down? And it can sound like that. But that's not true. Because that path is only available to us because of the grace of God providing his son to be the way for us to be saved. To go down the right path is not to choose the right way to live or choose the right uh, belief system to, to believe, but to choose a person. Jesus says, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. He is. He is the one who, who died to take our sin and and everything wrong within us to, to pay the punishment we deserve. He's the one that rose from the dead to give us new life so that we could have new life with him. He's the one who sent his Holy Spirit to actually be present in us, to transform us from the inside out so that we might be able to live and follow uh, his ways and to apply his teaching and be transformed from the inside out. To choose to follow Jesus to, is to choose to receive the grace that he's freely given us. And to choose to not follow Jesus is to reject that grace. And we need to remember that it's not cheap grace. Dietrich Bonhoeffer uh, kind of wrote a whole book about this, The Cost of Discipleship. It's not cheap grace. It's very costly grace. It costs Jesus his life. It cost Jesus his life. But also to receive the grace that Jesus offers is to have a life that is transformed and fully surrendered to Jesus. To follow Jesus will cost our lives as well because we live our lives not for ourselves but for him, for God, for Jesus. But like Jesus said, he, he said, what good is it to gain the whole world, to have everything we could possibly want for ourselves, but to lose our soul? Grace is costly for Jesus, but also for us. But it is worth it 
Because with grace comes life and meaning and purpose and value and identity. As we finish up, Jesus gives a, a really challenging end to his sermon. He's, he's given a compelling vision of what a transformed disciple is, that we're saved by grace. He, God is the one that blesses us, but how that's worked out in the life of believers, transformed ethics, how we live out uh, the reality of, of who God is and, and what, who he's made us to be, transformed our ambitions, transformed religion, transformed um, relationships. How are we going to respond to the Sermon on the Mount? How are we going to respond to Jesus? What kind of faith will we have? Just superficial allegiance to a man who lived 2,000 years ago or wholehearted devotion to the God who saved us and has made us his own? Is a passive listening and enjoyment of good sermons or is it active obedience to God's word? Are we being enticed away from the truth by everything else this world has to offer? Are we wrestling with the challenges? Following Jesus is hard. We need to be honest about that, particularly in our evangelism as well. We don't want to paint a picture of like, become Christian, everything will go great. We don't want to sell Christianity because of the because of like the lifestyle you might have. We want to sell Christianity by showing them Jesus. Jesus is the way, the truth and the life. But it is hard to follow Jesus, hard to live this life, particularly more and more as, as society gets more and more enticing and, and, and it gets more and more countercultural to follow Jesus. And this is why we need each other. And this, this is why it's important to come and gather together as much as we can. Like, it's hard coming to church. I get that. It's, 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 it's hard for us as a family with two young children, one of whom works for the church. Like, it's very challenging. And there's times, and I've been there, where you're struggling in your faith or you've got questions or, or there's situations and, and challenges, and like, oh, I just don't want to be with people. I just don't want to be in a place where I've got to put on a, a front of having everything together when it's just not true. And it's in those moments of our deepest struggle that we need the church the most to get around us, to encourage us, to spur each other on to love and good deeds, to, to remind each other of, the, of who Jesus is, the way, the truth, the life. The path Jesus calls us to is challenging. But the yoke, the support, the, um, the presence he offers us is light. Later on in Matthew, Matthew 11, Jesus says this, Come to me, all who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. The narrow path 
is a tough path to go down. But that's the path that Jesus is with us, carrying us, supporting us, teaching us, convicting us, changing us, transforming us. Where we're yoked together with Jesus, like two, two um, oxen have going down a path, connected together with a yoke. We're yoked with Jesus. And he's not oppressive or angry or dominating. He's gentle and humble in heart. And with him, we will find rest for our souls. In him, we will find life, eternal life, but also fulfilled life now. What path are we going to go down? What choice will we make to follow Jesus? I pray for myself, pray for all of us that that is the choice we'll make. We would follow Jesus when it's hard, when it's easy. We'd encourage and help each other and we'd be fulfilled by that, by the very person who gave his life that we could have we could have eternal life. Why don't we pray and then we'll finish up with, by worshipping him. Heavenly Father, we thank you and praise you that it's not up to us to be saved. It's not up to us to figure out how we could have a relationship with you. It's not up to us to work out um, our own identity and purpose and value and meaning and kind of find and define that for ourselves, but that you are the way, the truth, and the life. That you've given us not only the means to, to live and to walk down that path, but you've taught us how to walk down that path. Lord, we pray that we would be obedient to your teaching, that we would be obedient um, in responding to your word. And Lord, for those who, um, who have been distracted, who have been deceived, those who have just found it too hard and choosing to, to, to go down other ways or choosing to water down the truth or to compromise, to make concessions for ourselves, to... Lord, I just want to give a moment for those of us for which that's true, to choose to follow you, to make a commitment to follow you in spirit and in truth, to go down, to refine the narrow path and to, to, to step onto it, to be returned to that path that you would carry us and bring us there. Lord, there might be specific things specific teaching, specific um, uh, parts of, of today's sermon or, or the Sermon on the Mount, the scripture that you've taught us over the last few weeks. There might be something specific where we've chosen to not obey that or ignore that or go down a different path. And Lord, we just want to confess that to you. And Lord, we want to ask for your forgiveness. And Lord, we want to pray for you to transform us and change us that we would choose to follow you, to be obedient to your word. 
And Lord, where our lives need to change, help us to change that. In our hearts, but Lord, also in, in our actions and our attitudes. And maybe there's some habits we need to change. Maybe there's some, some um, decisions we need to change. Whatever it is, Lord, we do pray you'd make it obvious to us and you give us uh, the support we need to, to change that, that we would be obedient to you, that our lives would reflect lives that have been transformed by your love and your grace. And Lord, in all this, we, we pray for those, um, <clears throat> like I raised this morning, of those who, who have chosen to go down a different path, for the close friends and family and whoever else who have, have heard the truth and heard this teaching but have, have chosen not to obey it, who have been deceived by false prophets, who have walked away. Lord, we pray we entrust all that to you, but we pray that you would lead them back. Just like the prodigal son walked away, but there you were on the hill running to them as he returned. And Lord, we pray that would be the case. For those that we love who, who have walked away, we pray it would just be a temporary thing. We pray that you would equip us to be able to speak into their lives and encourage them um, onto the right path, not through legalism or, or not to, to give a false truth of, uh, to entice them onto the path, but just to present Jesus to them. Help us to, to, to live like him, to share him, to speak truth about Jesus so that they might be compelled by, by Jesus and not by anything else. We thank you that you are God who is living and active, that your word is living and active. And we pray that we would be obedient, that we would not be like the unwise builder, the foolish builder, and live our lives based on the foundation of our own truth, our own thinking, our own ideologies, but that we would live our lives based on your truth, that you and your word be the foundation of not just our thinking, but our actions and decisions and all of our lives, Lord. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Hills Baptist Podcast. If you'd like to partner with us in developing and equipping passionate disciples who love God, love people, and boldly share the gospel, you can do that at hillsbaptist.com forward slash giving. We pray this message has empowered you to live and love more like Jesus. Have an amazing day.